me to Psalm 23, and I'm going to read it for us, and then I'm going to just introduce what we're going to share around this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they for me. Prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, lead us as we spend time in your word. Teach us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Three things that seem to continually impact our lives we live are our wants and our needs, our fears, and what's going to happen in the future. On a daily basis, we probably all have some interaction with those things. For me, when I walk past the fridge, I immediately think of chocolate. It's a food group, why not? It gets to that time in the night when you're sitting down with a cup of coffee, I think, ooh, more chocolate <laughs> or chips. We, we are consumed with our wants and our needs on, on every sort of level. We're also consumed with our fears. You know, what, 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 what if? We may be afraid that, that the All Blacks will actually lose at Eden Park and our world will no longer be the same. We could be afraid that Whittakers will stop making those fantastic boutique chocolate flavors that we can't get anywhere else in the world. We may be concerned about Mr. Trump and Mr. Kim Jong-un meeting and the wider concerns of that. We have fears, things that impact our life, whether our car might not start or whether we might get sick. Our lives are impacted by our wants, our needs, our fears, and also the future. What's going to happen next? We're in the last third of our lives, my wife and I, and we've served on the mission field for all the kind of useful part of our life. I used to have a real job. And when I had a real job, I handled complex litigation for a major UK insurer. Company cars, lots of money, all that kind of stuff. And we, we kind of gave it up and said, well, we feel God's calling. And we, we moved to Austria. And in doing so, we, we, we gave up our income and lived by faith. And for the last 20 years, we've not had an income. How does that work? I have no idea. But as you can see by my extremely portly figure, I have not missed many meals. How does it work? I have no idea, but I do know God is faithful. We hit that last third of our life and thinking, what happens when nobody wants us? Wants and needs, fears, and future are things that impact all of us on pretty much a daily and even a moment-by-moment -moment basis. Wouldn't it be great if there was a scripture that addressed all those things? Well, there is, and it's called Psalm 23. And we're going to take some time to look at it. This is probably written towards the end of David's life. And Warren Wisby said this. He says, it's a message for the mature. Christians who have fought battles and carried burdens. It is probably the most familiar piece of scripture to us and to the world. 
you'll see Psalm 23 in the text, and people refer to Psalm 23, in, in, in extraordinary and different circumstances, people who may never can, would enter the, the confines of a church. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Millions who have no experience of the sheepfold or sheep, or to whom sheep have almost been unknown, are strangely moved and comforted by these words when Jesus went out to search for the one. Those are the words of Charles Jefferson. I know nothing about sheep. I am not a farmer. I live in Reparoa, but I do not farm. In fact, I'm probably the only person in Reparoa who doesn't farm. I know nothing of sheep, and yet I'm comforted by Psalm 23. It's a psalm of reason. David is going to give us three sets of reasons why he has an expectation of good and not of evil. David's going to say why he's not going to want. He's going to deal with the issues of our desires and our needs. David's going to say, I'm not going to be afraid. He's going to deal with the arena of our fear. And he's also going to, David's going to tell us why he has a hope for the future. He's going to deal with our future concerns and hope for the future. So in the next 25 minutes, I've been very, given very strict instructions. I'm not used to the 25-minute speaking thing, by the way. So I will try very hard. In the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at three aspects of reason that are marked out in Psalm 23. Why David will not want our wants and our needs. Why David will not be afraid the issue of our fear. And why David had an expectation of the future that was good and not of evil. Sounds fun, doesn't it? Wonderful. Okay, the, the psalm begins in this way. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, many of us in our Bibles, we know that when we see Lord written in, in capitals, it's not a title. It's a name. Remember when Moses went to the, was walking past the burning bush and the burning bush spoke to him? Not a usual event, even in Reparoa. And he engages in conversation and God speaks to him out of the bush. And the bush says, go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. This is Exodus 3, by the way. Now, Moses is a wise man. Whenever you get a bush tell you to do something, particularly to go to the most powerful man on earth and say, let my people go, you want to know the name of the bush. You want to get a name because going and saying, the bush said to me you should do this, is not usually an explanation that will fly. And so Moses said, who will send me? And God said, I am that I am. The memorial name of God. I am whatever my people need. I am the becoming one. And it's that which is translated here as Lord. So it's not just a title, it's a name. The Lord is my shepherd. There are seven verbs in this, in, this, in this psalm. Several doing things where it says the Lord will, the shepherd will make me, he will lead me, he will restore me, he will lead me, he will prepare for me a table and anoint me. But by far the most important one is the verb to be. The Lord is my shepherd. J. Hudson Taylor, the famous missionary, said this, The Lord is my shepherd, and was not, maybe, not will be, but the Lord is my shepherd. 
through every day of the week, as in January, as in December, in every month, at home, at work, in school, in China, in peace, in war, in abundance, and in poverty, the Lord is in this moment my shepherd. He is the shepherd of the future and the past, there is no doubt, but he is the shepherd of this moment. The Lord is my shepherd. And we're going to look at this, we're going to see these seven things that the the shepherd will do. But he does them in six different places. He covers the green pastures, the still waters, the paths of righteousness, the valley of the shadow of death, the presence of the enemies, and the house of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. It's an interesting term and idea, isn't it? Because... Jesus chose to use and claim the title for himself as the Good Shepherd. Do you know that's the only title he chose to use for himself? He was called Master. He was called Lord. He was called so many different things. And he was all of them. But he chose for himself to use the term Shepherd. Of the 18 times the word shepherd is used in the New Testament, Jesus nearly used nearly all of them. And on 10 of those occasions, he used it by himself. He didn't choose teacher or Lord, master or king. He chose shepherd. And the shepherd, we know, is more than a name or title, isn't it? Shepherd's really kind of description. Like a bricklayer plays bricks. A shepherd shepherds. It's someone who cares for, tends, and loves upon. The interesting thing is, when you see this word translated in the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, the same word, do you know how it's expressed? It's never written as shepherd. It's written as friend. What a wonderful thought. The Lord is my shepherd. He is my friend. First thing, why would David not want... Well, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's an emphatic statement. I will not lack because God is my shepherd. And he gives us four reasons why. He makes me lie down. He leads me by still waters. He restores my soul and he leads me in the paths of righteousness. The first one, he says, he makes me lie down. Rest here isn't about sleep. It's about not exerting ourselves. It's about rest in the truest sense. But he says he makes me lie down. The implication here is there's no choice. Ever been in that position where somebody made you slow down? I hate it. I wasn't built to go slow. I wasn't really built to go fast, as you can tell by my, my frame. But, 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 but I, 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 I want to do things. I want to be involved. And sometimes God draws you back and slows you down. He says, he makes me lie down. He sometimes enforces a rest upon us. It's a choice that he makes, not us. Are we happy with God's choices for us? Sometimes we struggle with that, don't we? Well, I want to. And yet God doesn't open the door or he closes the door. But here, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep are not noted, even in my understanding, they're not noted for being great decision makers. It's not unusual and strange then that we're suddenly called sheep in the eyes of God. Love sheep, but sheep. Are we happy with God's choices for us? 
We're told there that he leads me beside still waters. There are twice in this psalm it's going to say he leads me. The interesting thing is he uses different words to describe the leading. Here, the leading isn't so much about what God's doing. It's the manner he does it. It means he leads with gentleness. He has the idea of taking by the hand and gently leading. God's leading in our life is so often gentle. I never ever thought I would spend eight years of my life in Eastern Europe. Didn't even know where Hungary was. I'm so glad. It's one of my favorite places on earth. And I love the language, I love the people, and I still regard it in many ways as home. But I never would have gone there if God had called me to Hungary. But he gently led us through a process. So we found ourselves there because the ministry we were involved with was there. God leads us gently. Step by step to the waters of quietness. Here, the water isn't silent. It doesn't mean it's not dealing with noise. It's dealing with stillness. He leads me by the still waters. He restores my soul. He puts us back together. God is a God who not only resurrects, but restores our life. He puts us back into the condition we should be. He then says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. The word here for lead is different from the previous one. It means to know where you're going. As a man would lead troops, as a general would lead his troops, he knows where he's going. Have you ever followed somebody in a car who doesn't know where they're going? How was that for you? I have a friend. Um, I actually do have a friend. I have more than one. Uh, they're unlimited supply, but I have one or two. And one of my friends is a guy called Neil. And Neil, Neil was, is a worship leader, probably the best worship leader I've ever had in my life. And he's based in the U.S. now, but he lived with us in Hungary. And Neil has an extraordinary gift, not only just worship leading. He can get lost anywhere. <laughs> but he, I mean, he, he's Olympic. He could rep represent any nation. Because we're in the center of Budapest, which is the size of Auckland. No green space. And in the middle of it, I'm following him. He finds a road that stops in the middle of a field. In a city of two million people. He's gifted. <laughs> Don't follow him. But it says here of God that, 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 that he leads us. He knows where he's going. That is the most vital thing in following somebody, isn't it? You can have the security that they know where they are going. He not only leads with gentleness, but he leads us. He knows where he's going. But we have to be willing to follow. And it tells us here that he, he leads us in the path of righteousness. Why? For his own glory. For his name's sake. <coughs> David's told us why He's not going to want because the Lord is shepherd and the, Lord, the shepherd leads him, makes him lies down. With gentleness he leads them and he leads them in the right direction. Secondly, David's going to tell us why he shouldn't be afraid. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. I will fear you for you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's interesting, isn't it, that he doesn't stay in the valley of the shadow of death. When we find ourselves in those dark times, we, we, we have this experience and thinking that we're never going to leave this place. 
It was simply something to be walked through on the way to where the shepherd was leading them. There was no sense in, in, in idea that they would stay there, but they would walk through. Though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. The, the word to describe the shadow is, is quite strange. It, it literally descri describes a very high-sided valley that's so narrow and thin, but so high that light doesn't make the bottom of it. Ever felt like you're walking in darkness? And you know there's light somewhere, but it's not where you are. That's what's described. And David says, I will not fear. And he gives us one reason. For you are with me. Note the change. To this point, he's talking about the shepherd. Now, he's talking to the shepherd. For you are with me. Our comfort in times of difficulty and distress comes from God being with us. The comfort of God's presence. Our circumstances may not change. They may not change immediately, but we have one who is with us. The eternal comfort of the presence of the shepherd. David points out the shepherd's got two sources of comfort, the rod and the stick. The rod and my staff. The rod, this was a club that was used to protect the sheep. And the staff that which was used for support. There's two things here. And they're short, they're, they're weapons, if you want to look at them in that sense, but they're actually, they deal with close, close, close proximity. If you want the comfort of the, the rod and the staff, being 500 yards away isn't going to help when the sheep, when the wolf comes. Be close to the shepherd and then you have the covering and the care of his rod and staff. The closer we are to the shepherd, the safer we are and the more of his peace will fill our hearts. David's given us reasons about our wants. He's given reasons why we shouldn't fear. He's also going to talk about our expectation, why we can have a good expectation for the future. And he gives us two reasons. The Lord prepared provision for him and the Lord's equipped him. Let's read me what it says. So you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord has prepared provision. Set a table, literally a meal. Even in the presence of enemies. I don't know if you've ever had to sit down, sat down with your enemies and had a meal. I'm not sure for many of us that's necessarily been our experience. And, you know, in real reality, you would avoid that situation given every opportunity. And yet, even in that place of difficulty, the Lord has a preparation and a provision. I used to cross the border into Serbia occasionally. And um, it was always a border with men with guns. And there were real guns, and they used to point them at you. And they seemed to be quite liberal in their usage of them. So I always carried my ordination card that said, I'm a priest. That's what my card says, technically. Um, not just because they, had a, they, had, they were concerned about shooting religious people and priests. That's why I carried it. 
that's the nearest thing I guess I've got to being with enemies. But even in that place, God has a provision. The shepherd has care. And the shepherd prepares something for his children. Their cup runs over. He anoints their head with oil. Their cup runs over. Oil is always using the scriptures in that sense of wealth and sustenance. The provision is abundant. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this. He said, God's past faithfulness demands my present trust. God's past faithfulness demands my present trust. When we look forward to the future, when we look to the future and the what if of the future, one of the reasons we have hope walk into it is because of God's faithfulness we've experienced of all the years and it demands our present trust. David's told us about why he's not going to want. He's got a shepherd that's his shepherd. He's told us why he's not going to fear because the shepherd is with him. And he's told us why he's got an expectation for the future. Surely goodness and mercy, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All of these benefits come with having a shepherd and being able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Every single benefit is gained by yielding to the shepherd. Every comfort comes by yielding to the shepherd. It's a psalm of comfort because it's a psalm of lordship. And it's a psalm of reason. And every comfort comes by staying close to the shepherd. One Wisby said this just as we close. When God's people follow their shepherd, they have all they need and they will not lack the necessities of life. It's interesting that the first time a shepherd is mentioned in the Bible, it's, it's mentioned by the Egyptians in a disparaging sense. They were a hated people. Yet the last time in the scriptures that the shepherd is mentioned is in Revelation 7.17, and it says this, For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There's much going on in each of our lives and we, we've heard some of the things that go on in the lives of others that, that are central to this fellowship. Often difficult things and difficult times. Yet we have a shepherd this day. And he is my shepherd. And he is all of these things. So my encouragement today as we close and we'll just close with a song is... God's past faithfulness demands our present trust. Let us be people who trust the shepherd. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and pray that you would just seal uh, the things of your word in our heart. You would encourage us. Your word would have its way in our heart. Father, we pray as well, too, once again for Martin and Helen and the family, that you would surround them with your love, and may they have a real sense of your presence and of your love and of your care. And Father, as we just continue 
just to close in worship and go to the things you've called us today. May we have a sense of your leading and his gentleness. May we have a sense of your presence and the comfort and protection that that brings. And may we have a sense, an expectation of the future, because you are good and your goodness and your mercy surrounds us. For these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.